welcome to Artthrob, where you'll find inquisitive conversations between Artthrob host Kate Savage and artists, writers, performers, producers, and artistic entrepreneurs about their work and all things arts related. Get to know who's doing the work, who's making the arts happen, and who's keeping them exciting and accessible. Gain an insider's view through these exchanges and a glimpse into the wonder-filled world of creative individuals. You're listening to Art Throb, the arts podcast, and I'm your host, Kate Savage. This week, I will be talking to John Colkin. John's extremely rare set of life experiences make him uniquely qualified to share universally relevant, practical, science-based strategies for living a more balanced and compassionate life, while simultaneously maintaining one's physical and emotional health. He's given hundreds of presentations worldwide. Dr. Colkin is a physician, international medical volunteer, internationally recognized photographer, award-winning author, and a philanthropist. He has had four audiences with the Dalai Lama and has been a principal organizer of numerous compassion-centered initiatives. He's also an athlete, a musician, and has a loving family. As a photographer, John has a worldwide following with over 20 exhibitions in museums and art galleries throughout the U.S. and abroad. He's also written several books about living a balanced life and is an engaging speaker on such topics as living in balance, guided by wisdom and compassion. Shades of Compassion, a traveling photography exhibition with its world premiere here in Lexington at the Headley Whitney Museum, is a curated collection of 50 photographs by 41 photographers that respond to one of the three identified elements of compassion, humanity, environment, and spirituality. These works were submitted by photographers from all over the world, and are diverse in nature and subject matter, each with an interpretation of compassion through a very personal lens. I've spoken to Christina Bell, the Executive Director at the Headley Whitney Museum, and she's both excited and honored to be hosting this exhibition for the first time before it goes on tour. But before we talk about the work in the show and the various events and lectures that will be held in conjunction with this, why don't you talk about how all this came about, John, your involvement, and what led to you founding the Shades of Compassion Foundation, and to what end? Welcome, John. Well, Kate, first of all, it's an absolute pleasure to meet you. I've heard wonderful things about you. And it's an honor to be on your program and speaking about this extraordinary exhibition, uh, Shades of Compassion, which, as you mentioned, has representation from photographers from all over the world, including some of the world's who's who of photographers. Um, We're talking about Ansel Adams, talking about Imogene Cunningham, Beth Moon, Joyce Tennyson, Michael Kenna. We're talking about a who's who. So to bring all of these incredible photographers together and their being willing to participate in this exhibition is just an absolute honor and pleasure for all of us that are involved in putting it together. To get back to the first part of your question, 
The way this really came about, and I'll give you the short version, is that during my first private audience with His Holiness, which came about back in 2017, and I won't get into all the details of how that came about because of our uh, short amount of time together, we were holding hands for 45 minutes and having a, just a wonderful conversation. And of those of you who don't know, His Holiness is considered the reincarnated Buddha of compassion. And he knew something about my background, which you've alluded to. And he calls me Dr. John and he said, Dr. John, I want you to partner with me in promoting compassion worldwide. Well, <laughs> how do you say no to the Dalai Lama? At the time, I was doing a lot of international medical work. I'd been doing it for over 20 years. And I said to myself, well, this is an opportunity to shift gears somewhat. By that time, I was also established as a photographer, as an artist. So one of the first things I did was to collaborate with His Holiness and His Holiness's representatives, putting together a summit of museum representatives from North America to come over and have a compassion summit and audience with His Holiness. One of the things that came out of that was my idea to put together a traveling photography exhibition. We formed a family foundation called Shades of Compassion, found funding for this, found one of the most extraordinarily qualified independent uh, museum curators that the company is Photokunst. Barbara Cox is the lead there who's been doing for over 20 years traveling photography museum exhibitions on socially relevant topics. So our foundation commissioned her to put together this exhibition, and we're able to put together this extraordinary cast of supporting folks, including Emory University's Sea Learning Group, who are one of the world's leading experts on teaching compassion to children in classrooms worldwide, Compassion Integrity Training through Life University, which does the same for adults, consultants from MoMA in New York in their education department, the Minneapolis Institute of Art, and put together this science-based approach to how do we really achieve lasting compassion in our lives that helps others while at the same time helps ourselves. Um, so that's really how it all came about. Um, and it took, it was a year and a half to two year process putting the exhibition together. Were you somewhat daunted by this charge of the Dalai Lamas to bring compassion to the world? That's a, that's a tall order, John, and many people could be excused for shrinking from that. Well, first of all, I'll just give you my impression of His Holiness, who I've, as you mentioned, had the honor of, of being with on a number of occasions. In fact, I was just uh, with him briefly this past um, November. I, I flew to Dharamsala. I wanted to give him a copy of the book that I published called Inner Harmony, Living in Balance, that he was kind enough to write a forward for. So I wanted to bring him a signed copy. And every time I've been in His Holiness's presence, he's extremely kind. He's um, unassuming. He is humble. Um, he is gentle, he's genuine, and he wants people to simply be relaxed and honest uh, around him. 
And fortunately, my background, he, they, they pretty much check out everyone before they're allowed to have a private audience with his holiness. And he knew enough about my background and my work in medicine and my work, my artwork has always been in one way or another related to this concept of compassion and well-being, that it's something that I would feel comfortable in his presence hearing and accept with an open mind and an open heart and just make my own decision about whether or not I could do that. And I knew I had to give some things up. That's part of the idea of compassion, not only compassion for others, but compassion for self. So I knew that I would have to dial back my medical international work. I had already stopped seeing people officially in the United States about 10 or 11 years prior to that because I wanted to focus more on using my art and using my international work. So I've been very fortunate in that I've been able to use my art and my international medical work in a broad way to get out there to a large audience. So the idea of him asking me to do this through my art was really a continuation of what I was already doing and trying to look for larger stages. So in some ways, it was just seemed like a natural fit for me. And it's one of those wonderful aspects of art that it has a universal voice. It is multilingual, in fact, and that is one of the big things, the great things, the benefits that go with the arts is that it can cross all boundaries. So being able to use your photography in this way, it would have a voice that would speak to all because we are engaging with it visually and interpreting it, hopefully, spiritually. Talk a little bit about the three aspects, as you see them, that comprise compassion, humanity, spirituality, and environmentalism. And whether you think that's the be-all and end-all, or whether you had to pick three and narrow it down, I see it to some extent as being broader than that. What are your thoughts? First of all, I'd say that, again, I was not the curator, even though our foundation funded the exhibition being put together. The categories were put together by the curatorial team. So we were just there to support. We had a conversation beforehand about what were the major objectives and what do we mean by compassion. But once we got past that point, she decided which categories to use. So maybe it would be helpful to first speak about what is potentially the definition of compassion and being respectful for the the idea that everyone has their own perspective, to keep that in mind and to honor that. The definition that we had agreed upon and that we're using for this is that compassion being the intention to respond, to actually act with kindness toward those who might benefit, which is a very wide category, humanity, the environment, you know, you name it, out of a true concern for the well-being of those to whom someone is trying to be compassionate without a specific regard for what am I personally going to get out of it in return, not a reward system, but a true 
focus on the intent to be of help, of value to others or to those who might benefit. And those who might benefit might include self. So compassionate towards self, compassionate toward the environment, compassion toward other humans, compassion toward all sentient beings, compassion toward the universe. The spirituality, that in some ways, in, from my perspective, again, this is my perspective, gets into quantum physics because there are enough experiments in quantum physics that seem to indicate an interconnectedness and interdependence of all beings, of all systems, which can be a whole other conversation that can go on for hours. In the exhibition, the photographs of these 41 artists are basically grouped into the three groups, humanity, environment, and spirituality. But within those groups, as one goes through the exhibition, one sees that there's representation from all over the world in all of those categories, both in the subject matter and in the artists that were selected to have their works in the exhibition. I think it's important also to point out, John, that these are not images of violence and humanity at its worst. Far from it. They're full of hope. They're full of love. Would you like to maybe talk a little bit about the decision made to not show gruesome pictures that, in fact, flush out the opposite to compassion? And this gets back to really understanding the science of compassion and compassion from a medical perspective and a very careful interpretation of the research that's been done, some of which is very confusing and not sound, in my opinion, research. Because there has been a strong tendency to confuse compassion with empathy. Empathy is a very, very confusing term that's been misused. The original term empathy was what we now call affective empathy. There are probably about eight different forms of empathy, but not to get too bogged down into that. Affective empathy is feeling the pain, feeling the suffering, absorbing the pain and suffering of others. The research, if you really, really look at it carefully, what it shows is that that form of empathy is oftentimes counterproductive. In the long run, it can lead to depression, increase in PTSD, um, sleep disorders, social withdrawal, stress, hypertension, the list goes on and on and on. And people that are motivated to act out of pity, which is what empathy tends to do, get burned out. They eventually withdraw socially. It's very bad for one's health. So even though it's intrinsic to human nature, when someone falls and gets hurt, at least 80% of people, the research shows, will feel empathy toward them. That's very, very different than actually going out and intentionally showing people graphic photographs of people in pain and expecting that that's going to motivate people to be socially engaged. It actually, in the long run, has the opposite effect. And when you talk to people 
that are trying to raise money, let's say, for animal welfare, what those organizations found was that they show, if they showed animals in distress, they got very few donations. When they showed a mother chimpanzee feeding her young, their donations shot up. So what we are doing through the Shades of Compassion exhibition is understanding the difference between the two, understanding what positive, constructive emotions are, as opposed to negative, destructive emotions. We understand through our world experts on compassion about how you truly motivate people. And the exhibition at the end has all kinds of opportunities for people to engage in compassion moving forward in your local community there in Lexington, Kentucky. So it's not just, wow, wasn't that fun? Now I'll go off and do my next chore for the day. We're trying to help compassion become first nature among those who are interested in engaging in the exhibition. In fact, it's an exhibition that would really benefit by seeing it on your own rather than trotting around with a friend or standing there and chatting about what you're looking at. These are images that need to be contemplated and they are sequential, so they do have a, a rhythm to them. I think I read that there was a self-guided meditation. Is that something that's going to be available at the Healy Whitney or not? Yes. Yeah, so what we have are called pause stations in front of some of the images with the QR code and whatnot. And what people can do is they're guided through a one and a half minute exercise or experience where they're gazing at the image. And then there's a process one goes through as they're looking through it related to what they see and, and how they're interpreting it, which again is different from individual to individual. There's soft background music. There's a writing table. There are a variety of different things to make it a more contemplative experience. Don't want to give it all away. There are acts of engagement for people that want compassion to become more first nature. And people can go through it at their own own pace. And that's what I'd certainly recommend, having seen it just on the one occasion. It's a show that's quite different to a regular art gallery show. It definitely is an interactive show. You're not meant to look at the work and have no reaction whatsoever. It's meant to stimulate and to motivate. Would you say that's right? Absolutely. In fact, there's also an opportunity. We've asked some of the photographers that are, we've asked all the photographers if they want to provide a paragraph or two of how that particular photograph that is in the exhibition, and from their perspective, relates to the concept of compassion or some of the background to the image. So if people want, they can click on the QR code or it can all, it's also printed out for people that don't have a cell phone and, and explore more deeply about what was the artist thinking. I actually noted that there were no artist statements on the, on the labels. And, and I had thought to myself, possibly because the show doesn't open for a couple more weeks and maybe the display part wasn't complete. 
but I also thought that maybe it was intentional to provoke people to their own thoughts. But I see there's an option there now and you can listen or find out what the artist was thinking on their level and then maybe have a reaction yourself on your own level. These are very compelling portraits and I think people will be surprised at the level of professionalism. At the This is not photojournalism. These are fine art photographs, and there's quite a difference. And I have some personal favorites. For example, John, there's one that really grabbed me, and maybe you can tell me a little bit about this one. It's called One Tribe, and it's an African-American woman lying on a couch. She's essentially naked, but she's covered, completely covered, with hundreds of people's hands and it's hard to explain to people who haven't seen it and are only listening but it's it's one of those sort of things where you you just sort of stop and are kind of not shocked in a bad way but shocked by the uniqueness of it and also want to know more so tell me about that piece if you can very special piece well they're all very special but it's interesting you you mentioned that one first all the same tribe. When you get below the surface, humans all have the same basic needs. There are the physical ones, and sociology studies have shown this, that are central to happiness. Those five components are a roof over our head, food, enough water to drink, safety, and community. Community is the big one. Okay. Somebody that we feel that's part of a larger thing. And in fact, there's a study ongoing from Harvard University that started in 1938, following men in an impoverished part of Boston. They're still being studied now. And the one factor that consistently was the best predictor of happiness is community. If you get below the surface of the differences that we all have, the physical things that we need are all the same. The other things that we need are also the same to be treated with compassion, with respect, to be acknowledged. So from my perspective, looking at that image with all the hands, it's that we're all in this together. You may think that we're not. You may think that you're independent, but you're not. I mean, that pea that you eat, there are a lot of things that have to happen for that pea to grow and end up in your mouth. It's really, I think, the concept of we're all in this together. And we have to understand that. Would that fall into the, the humanity category? Yeah. I think I leaned more to picking my favorites from that category. Mm -hmm. Another favorite, just to introduce this one as well, was the elephant. It's called Circus Performance. Mm -hmm. And it's an elephant. And it looks like it might have been taken in India or, or somewhere far east. And he's obviously a dwarf. And I would say that he's part of the elephant troop. I always find the use of clowns and things in circuses a little sad. I, I have a hard time with 
poking fun at people who are disadvantaged or disabled in some way. But that's what this image provokes, of course. And that was another favorite of mine. I bet you could actually do an analysis of a person's psyche by getting them to pick their favorite I don't know, three or five or something. And, and a bit like reading tarot cards, you could kind of read their compassion level by, by the ones they picked out. John, we're going to have to talk a little bit about some of the events that the Healy Whitney has lined up. This show will open to the public on the 8th of April, and it will run until June the 18th. And I believe admission is $10. The hours at the Heedley Whitney Museum are 10 to 4, only open Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays, and they are closed on Easter Sunday. Be mindful of that. There are several other events planned. There's an artist's reception. Then John mentioned a book that he has recently published called Inner Harmony. He'll be there signing his book and talking and available to meet, which would make it a special event. And then there's also a luncheon out there, again, with John and the opportunity to tour the exhibition. And that is a $40 ticket. In addition, Christina's planning things like yoga, meditation sessions, a variety of musical events. It will be a busy time out at the Healy Whitney Museum. So I hope people will look out for that calendar of events and participate. John, before we finish, though, where is this touring next? Do you have a anywhere picked out, or is it going on tour, but it's open at this point? It's definitely going on tour. It's going to be on tour for at least five years, uh, maybe 10. We're in the midst of contracts with a variety of other different museums that we're working on, and um, it's probably, my guess, it's probably going to be on the West Coast next and then down in Florida, I believe. It's going to have quite a life to it for an extended period of time. So we're really, really excited about that. Is this something the foundation handles on your behalf? The foundation, yes. The foundation is working with the curator and we're lining up the exhibitions throughout North America. And there's a, there's a possibility it'll also be going overseas um, also. Well, as I mentioned before, this is a show of 50 photographic images. They are very compelling portraits. It will be up for long enough, so everybody's got a chance to get out there and see it. And John, it's been delightful talking to you. I understand that you are headed out on Monday to Tibet. Is this another visit with the Dalai Lama? Well, actually, um, His Holiness is in India. That's where I'm actually going. There's going to be an opening of an exhibition of, of my work, exclusively of my work, at the Tibet Museum. Uh, it opens next week. So I'm flying to India, uh, putting the final touches on that exhibition. And then from there, I fly to uh, Bhutan. I'll be there for four weeks. We're working on an exhibition of my work there, and I'll be meeting with the Queen Mother of Bhutan, who also wrote a foreword for my book and doing some other things while I'm there in Bhutan. And I'll be getting back just in time for the artist's reception on April 22nd. And then the luncheon where I'll also be giving a presentation on compassion and on the exhibition and whatnot. So it'll, it'll be a busy six or seven weeks for me coming forward. 
a very busy spring for you traveling back and forth. Well, all the best. It's been delightful talking to you. I can't stress enough how much I enjoyed my visit to the show, and I'm going back again. It's the kind of thing where one visit's not enough. You need probably several to really absorb all the benefits from it. Thank you again. Godspeed, as they say, and uh, thank you for being on my show. My honor. For more information about this and other Art Throb podcast conversations, visit the Art Throb page at www.artsconnectlex.org.